breathe together. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon, those who were with him, searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And then he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, It will be clean. Then immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you would find nothing for anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing that Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. All right, before you sit, I'm going to teach you something new. So in order for us to be more responsive, uh, every Sunday after whoever read the scripture say this is the word of the Lord, I want us to respond by saying praise be to God. Okay, can we try that? I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord and then you reply, praise be to God. Okay, one more time. Praise be, praise be to the Lord. I mean, no, wrong word. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. You guys can be seated. Like I really enjoy um, going through the book of Mark. I mean, it's very different for what we're accustomed to. I mean, if there's anything that Rock Sydney International a lot of time being accused of, that we are very heavy on doctrine. But the book of Mark is very different. Do you feel that? I mean, because it's almost like very light in doctrine, filled with application, and we get to see actually entering into Jesus' world and Jesus' life, okay? And this is really fun. I'm really excited. And especially this passage that we read today, we just read, it's really speak to my heart, and I hope it will really speak to your heart as well. Okay, let me start by asking you two questions. First, have you ever felt unclean, dirty, or ashamed because of something that you do? Or maybe it was that lie, you know, that lustful thought that you had, or maybe that uncontrollable anger that showed up out of nowhere. Or maybe for some of us, it's more personal, that sexual sin, that affair, that abortion, divorce. Second question. Have you ever felt unclean or dirty or ashamed because of something else, something that someone else did to you? Maybe it was that abuse or rejection or assault or abandonment. Or betrayal. Or maybe it's as simple as gossip. Now, if we're honest, I think the answer to both question is yes. I mean, it doesn't matter who we are. We have done something that makes us feel unclean, dirty, and ashamed. And we also have been made to feel unclean, dirty, and ashamed by someone else. Are we, am, I, am I the only one who feels that? And because of that, some of us, we try to remove that feeling of uncleanness from out of us for years. And we try our best to get rid of it. 
And the first that we continue to say again and again and again goes like this. Because the player's going to play, 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 play. The hater's going to hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off. You guys do not know this song? Am I in the wrong generation? Or maybe my, my song is out of date. You know, maybe I need to update my Taylor Swift playlist, all right? But that's kind of the kind of song that we always play on repeat on our life because the break, you know, the heartbreak is going to break, 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 and the fake is going to fake, 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 fake. So baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off. Well, the problem with that is, even though that is the right thing, it is the very thing that we want to do. We want to shake off all this feeling of dirtiness out of us. It does not work. Okay, so thank you, Taylor Swift, for the song, but it does not work. But here's what Taylor Swift got it right. She actually managed to describe the cry of the human heart, that feeling that we want to feel clean. The problem is it does not matter how hard we try. It does not matter what we do. We cannot get rid of that feeling of dirtiness from us. We feel unclean. We feel ashamed. We feel helpless. And nothing we can do on our own can make us feel clean. Because only the touch of the king can make us clean. And the good news for us today is the king has come to make us clean. Well, tonight, so we continue the book of Mark, and today is the third sermon of the book of Mark. And in this series, we predominantly want to look at who Jesus is and what does it mean for us to have relationship with him. Because Jesus, whose projection of our own desire, that Jesus is useless. That Jesus cannot make us clean. Only the real Jesus can. And that is why we want to go into this book deeply and to realize and to understand who Jesus is. So what we learned so far from the book of Mark is that Jesus, in fact, is a king. But it's not like a king, any king in this world. And his kingdom is different from the kingdom of the world. And the moment that Jesus came into the world, we learned this last week, the invasion of the kingdom of God has begun. And Jesus proclaimed, the kingdom of God is at hand. And today, we will zoom in and learn what are the priorities of the kingdom of God. And this is very interesting. Because Jesus is a king like any, unlike any other king, his priorities are very different from any other king in this world, okay? And his kingdom is very different from the kingdom of this world. So I have three points. Prayer, preaching, cleansing. Okay, let's look at the first one. Prayer, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to desolate place, and there he now, this is a very important principle, and yet at the same time, it is very counterintuitive. Think about it. At this time, remember, Jesus is extremely famous. If you remember what we let off last week, the whole city gathered at Peter's front door. They're waiting to, you know, to meet Jesus so that Jesus can heal them and cast out demons. So at this time, everybody wants to meet Jesus. So Jesus is on the rise. He is the next Capernaum superstar, and he is incredibly popular and busy. So if I can use the word of our day, he is in a season of massive productivity. But Jesus' response to the season of productivity is very different from ours, okay? 
what would we do if we were Jesus? I mean, we will not miss this opportunity, right? I mean, we will try everything we can to keep the momentum going. I mean, we will squeeze the orange as hard as we can to get as much juice as possible. But not Jesus. See, in a season of tremendous productivity, you know what Jesus does? He rises early in the morning, get to a quiet place, and pray to God the Father. So the busier Jesus gets, the more Jesus prays. Pray. This is radically different from you and me. When we are extremely busy and productive, do you know the very first thing that we move, what we cross out, out of our list? If we can be honest, you know what that is? Prayer time. Right? The moment that we, okay, I can't do this. Okay, I have a lot of things to do in the morning. So what we cross out easily is our prayer time. But Jesus knows something better. Jesus understands that before he goes about his day, before he does the mission of God, before he does anything else throughout the day, he first must spend time with God. Because Jesus understands something, that he cannot extend the love of God to other people without first being saturated in God's love for him. So Jesus' ministry is actually empowered and engineered by his relationship to God the Father. And this is interesting because think about it. Jesus is God. He is God. But he, the way that he lived his life, he says this, I cannot do anything apart from God the Father. So he is God. At the same time, he lived as a man dependent upon God for everything. His authority, strength, and power come from God alone. And if Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, need to pray before he does anything, how much more? for us who are weak and flawed. Now, see, when I say this, I don't think any of you say, well, this is a new revelation. I need to pray. I don't think so. Every Christian knows that we ought to pray. We have to spend time in prayer. And yet, at the same time, prayer is the most neglected Christian discipline. Let's face it. You and I, we live in the city of Sydney. Okay, that means this. You are busy people. Let me tell you, you are very busy. You have works to do, projects to finish, essays to write, diapers to change, meals to cook, laundry to wash, sermons to write, and most importantly, Netflix series to watch. You are busy people. And Jesus is very busy as well. I mean, he has tons of people waiting outside of his door for him to heal them. And Jesus is right now in the three years saving the world project. I mean, it does not matter how busy we are. Can we agree that none of us are as busy as Jesus? I mean, we might have the opportunity to make a difference. But Jesus is literally changing the course of history by what he does. And he still prioritizes prayer above all. See, for Jesus, listen, nothing is more important Nothing is a higher priority than prayer, not even changing the world. Now, let me tell you why this is important, okay? What is prayer? See, prayer is not simply a means for us to ask God for things. Do you know what, what is the first thing that Jesus teaches his disciple when he teaches the Lord's prayer? He doesn't say this, disciple, pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. I mean, that's the way we pray. The way that we pray, we always say, Lord, I need A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and so please give it to me. That's the way we pray. And there's a space for that. 
there's a space for asking God for things. But the way that Jesus began his prayer, he taught his disciples, you need to begin praying by saying what? Our Father. So the essence of prayer is not asking God for things. The essence of prayer actually communing with God your Father. And everything else is based on this. See, get this right. When we pray, we are reorienting our hearts to the fact that the sovereign God of the universe has become our Father. We remind ourselves who God is and who we are. And our heart needs to burn with the joy of knowing that He is our Father. And because this is what our heart mostly needs. This is the fundamental need of our heart. Because as you and I go about our day, here's what happened. We are constantly bombarded with temptation. We are constantly bombarded, tempted to find our identity in everything else but God. For example, let me give you my core idol. Okay, most of you know, my core idol is approval. So as I go about my day, at least I'm tempted to find my identity in my ministry. So as I prepare my weekly sermon throughout the weeks, I am tempted to prepare my sermon in such a way so that I will have your approval on Sunday. Okay, so I'm tempted to, when I talk to people, when I deal with people, rather than telling them the truth, I am tempted to please them. Why? Because I want people to like me. Because I am tempted to have your approval. I mean, I love it if you enjoy my sermon. And it's extremely heartbreaking when my sermon actually puts you on a good nap on Sunday. <laughs> this only makes me happy when I make baby sleep in my sermon, right? If you fall asleep, that's heartbreaking to me. But you see what happens? So my heart is extremely prone to wander, even though I'm a pastor. But when I come to God in prayer, what I do is I'm, I'm reminding myself the fact, listen, God of the universe, He is my Father and I'm His child. And that is why you understand this. Before Jesus even began His ministry, as we talk about uh, Mark chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago, before Jesus does anything, remember, God the Father spoke to Him and He said what? You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. And every time Jesus comes to God in prayers every morning, he listened to that. He reminded himself that what actually empowered him for his ministry, actually his relationship with the Father, that he already has the approval of the Father. And the same applied to my heart. Before I do anything else, in the very morning that I, before I even do and drink or anything, I need to remind myself, Yossi, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. I need to hear that from God. Because otherwise, as I go about my day, I forget I begin to find my identity in what I do, in my ministry, in my work, and we lost it. Okay? So prayer is not trying to get things from God. Oh, no. Prayer is a means for us to get God. And to the degree that we know God's unconditional love for us, to that degree we are able to stay away from human approval, power, comfort, or control. Because when we have the smile of God, we can handle anything that comes our way. We won't be enslaved by anything. We have the joy of being God's children. Okay, that's the first priority. But the second priority is also very counterintuitive, and that is preaching. Verse 36 to verse 39. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, 
And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to, on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So this is very interesting. So when the disciples realized, hold on a second, where is Jesus? Jesus is not in the house. So they go out and look for Jesus. And when they finally found Jesus, they said, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Now remember what happened? Jesus is extremely popular at this time right now. He's like the next superstar of Capernaum. So what the disciples are saying is this. Well, Jesus, listen, mate, what are you doing here in the middle of nowhere? You should be with the crowds. I mean, we have something special going on here. Everybody wants to see you. Everybody wants a piece of you. We have the momentum with us. We can have large followers and make a difference. It is exciting. What are you doing here in desolate place, Jesus? And it's not hard to guess why people love Jesus. Because in the last couple of um, sermons, we heard and we saw how Jesus continuously provides for people's needs, heal people just like that. Cast up demons just like that. So people hear about it and people want what Jesus can do for them. So let me ask the same question again. What will we do if we were Jesus? We will not waste this wonderful opportunity. Am I right? This is the perfect time to create a huge following. We will probably do seven days of healing crusades. Okay, and post it on social media with the hashtag saving the world in three years. And don't forget, take offering every single night to fund the project. But not Jesus. I mean, Jesus has absolutely no interest in becoming a celebrity healer and build his own reputation. None. Look at what Jesus does. Very counterintuitive. Instead of going to where the crowds are, Jesus said to the disciple, we are going to the next town. We're not going to where the crowds are. And to which, like, why? I mean, Jesus, this is where the crowds are. This is where people are waiting for you. Why are we going to a new place? And you know what Jesus said? Because I have to preach the gospel there. Because I have to preach the gospel to other towns. So Jesus will not be distracted by the fact that he's popular at this time. Because he knows exactly what he came to do. Jesus came to preach the gospel. He came to tell the world, to tell everyone, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. This is Jesus' primary purpose. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying healing the sick are not important. I'm not saying that. But according to Jesus, there's a greater priority than healing the sick. With another word, what Jesus says this, listen, I do not come to the world to meet your agenda. No, I do not come to do that. I do not come to the world to be a celebrity healer. That's what you want. That is not what I came to do. I have my own agenda. I come not only to meet the need that you think you have, I come to meet the need that you have no idea you have. And you will know that need when I preach the gospel to you. And that is what Jesus is saying. I have come to tell you to repent and believe in the gospel. Now, do you see what happened now? This is very, very different from you and me. Jesus' priority is not physical healing, but rather spiritual healing. Because Jesus understands something. Even if you and I experience physical healing, it is only temporary. Eventually, you get sick again. Eventually, it will fade, and eventually, you will die. 
But the kind of healing that Jesus is interested in, spiritual healing, it is eternal. And that is why. It has no expiry date. That's why Jesus said, I've come not to heal the sick. I've come to preach the gospel. Jesus came primarily not to be a divine healer, but to be a savior. Now, listen carefully. If that is true, if we can agree that that is Jesus' priority, if Jesus' priority is to preach the gospel, then the church's priority must be to preach the gospel. However, sad to say, today, there are so many people who turn Jesus into entertainment act, political agenda, social project, and a miracle worker. So what they do, what they do is they create a Jesus of their own making. And let me tell you, it works. Why it works? Because it draws a lot of crowd. Crowd love Jesus that meet their agenda. You with me on that? For example, easy example. Let's say we invite a very popular miracle worker pastor from America who always wear all white to do healing crusades in our church. What will happen? Let me tell you what will happen. This place won't fit. We will have to rent a huge auditorium in the city. Because why? Because a huge crowd will show up. People love Jesus that meet their agenda. But let's say we invite another pastor from the city of Melbourne who always wear black when he <laughs> preached the gospel. What happened? Nothing. Church as usual. Why? Because the crowd do not want to hear the gospel. I mean, no one likes to be told to repent and believe the gospel because to repent and actually to acknowledge that I'm actually a lot worse than I think I am. I'm not just sick. I'm a sinner. No one like that. And there's this famous story that happened in the 18th century in England during the Great Awakening. Okay? There's this person by the name of Lady Huntingdon who was a member of the upper class and she became a Christian. Okay? And she was excited. She wanted everyone to hear the gospel. So she invited all her friends, her all upper class friends, to hear this amazing preacher of the gospel at the time by the name of George Whitfield. Okay? So George Whitfield was a powerful preacher of the gospel. So Lady Huntington invited all her friends, but most of them did not want to come. One of her friends, by the name of Duchess of Buckingham, wrote back a letter to Lady Huntington when she invited her to hear Whitfield preach. She said she would absolutely not come because she had heard about the kind of message that Whitfield preached. And this letter actually became very famous. You can Google it, okay? And here's what she said. And you have to hear it in British accent to hear it right, okay? So let me try my best. It is monstrous to be told that you have a heart as sinful as a common wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting, and I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiment at much variance with high rank and good breeding. Most of you, what on earth are you saying, okay? Basically, what she says is this. It is very offensive and insulting for someone of her class to be told that she had a sinful heart. And you know what Jesus say? I've come to tell the Duchess of Buckingham she needs to repent and believe the gospel. People don't like to hear the gospel, but they must hear it because it is the only cure to their spiritual sickness. And the preaching of the gospel must be the church priority. But look at the third one. 
the third priority, and this is the most controversial one, cleansing. Verse 40 to 44. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, this story for us are like, oh, this is sweet. But for the Jews, this story is extremely scandalous. Okay, let me tell you why. I'm going to give you the background what happened first. We need to understand what leprosy is before we understand what happened in the story. Someone who has leprosy has a wasting skin disease that slowly crippled, disfigured, and finally killed their victim. So someone with leprosy, their bodies destroy slowly and it turns them into walking dead. So a leper is actually physically falling apart. And leprosy covers a number of skin diseases. And this is interesting. One of the most common one is called, you know what it's called? Hansen's disease. I just thought you should know. <laughs> Leprosy was an incurable disease. And in the Old Testament, it's generally regarded as defined punishment for sin or hidden sin. Only God could heal leprosy. And those who had leprosy have to live in isolation. Okay, look at Leviticus 13, verse 45 to 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So leper must live alone. Not only because people believe that leprosy is very contagious, but also the fact that whatever leper touch become unclean. For example, this is this. If a leper stood under a tree, okay, if a leper stood under the tree, it contaminated a clean person who passed by under that tree. Or what we know today as close contact. Okay? That is why wherever they went, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, to let other people know of their presence. Okay, so the closest equivalent to this probably today is coronavirus, right? If we know someone is tested positive with coronavirus, what do we do? We stay as far away as we can from that person. And that person must be quarantined for 14 days. They have to live in isolation for 14 days. But those with leprosy have to live in isolation for the rest of their days. They were not allowed to participate in worship nor come to the synagogue. They live in a very lonely place. So those with leprosy, they felt alone, afraid, ashamed, dirty, unaccepted. And there's nothing they can do to change it. They experienced absolute isolation because they were unclean. And that is why if you find someone with leper, their need is not to be healed. Their need is to be cleanse so and this is what scandals about the story 
So a leper heard that Jesus is in town, and he's preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and casting out demons. And then this leper decided to do something extremely scandalous. He decided to risk everything and come to Jesus. Remember, a leper must live in isolation. But now, by coming to Jesus, this leper break both the Jewish law and Jewish custom. He risked everything for the chance of being cleansed and restored by Jesus. And I'm sure, I am sure, as he makes his way to Jesus, you know, he probably cried, unclean, unclean, get out of the way, get out of the way, unclean, unclean, get out of the way, get out of the way, excuse me, unclean. And when the crowd hear that, you know what happened? The crowd went walk away. Just imagine today, for example, someone show up in church and say, COVID-19 positive, COVID-19 positive, COVID-19 positive. What do you do? Immediately you walk away, right? Immediately you evacuate the building. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that is what happened in the story. So this guy come to Jesus. He kneeled before Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And I love what, he said, what Jesus said. I love what this man said to Jesus, sorry. This leper, he probably do not have a good theology. All he understands is one thing. Jesus can make me clean. And when he comes to Jesus, he does not demand, Jesus make me clean. He said what? If you will. And this man is very different from us. Because when we come to Jesus, a lot of time we come with demand. Jesus, I worship you, I trust you, I love you, you are my God and Savior. But you better take care of my business. But you better take care of my family. But you better take care of my health. But you better, you better, you better. But this leper doesn't tell Jesus what to do. He comes to Jesus with no condition. He humbled himself before Jesus, abandoned himself at the mercy of Jesus. And if Jesus does not respond, end of the story. This man is doomed. Because he would be punished severely. And what happened next is staggering. Mark right, Jesus is moved with pity. Now, I love ESV. I love ESV. But I don't think pity is the right choice. I don't, I don't think pity is the right translation. Because what Mark tried to communicate here is not so much pity, but rather anger and compassion in perfect harmony. So at the same time, Jesus will anger toward the pain and the brokenness that this leper experienced. This leper supposed not supposed to experience what he experienced. So he felt anger toward all the shame, dirtiness that he experienced because of that. But at the same time, the same Jesus angry at it is filled with compassion toward the leper. And what Jesus does next is scandalous. It is forbidden. Jesus stretched out his hand toward the leper. And everyone who watched that must have thought, Omo, Omo, Omo. No way. He wouldn't dare. Don't tell me, don't tell me he's about to do what I think he's about to do. There is no way. Wait. What? Serious? I mean, did he just, I mean, did I see right? Because Jesus stretched out his hand and touches the leper. And everybody's shocked at the time because according to their understanding, at this time, the moment Jesus touched the leper, Jesus is now ceremonially unclean. 
Jesus is defiled. Jesus is dirty. But Jesus said, I will be clean. And immediately the leper is clean. Leprosy left him at once. There's no signs of skin disease whatsoever. I mean, picture that scene with me. So this man looked at himself before. He was filled with uncleanness, dirtiness. He was ashamed. He was rejected. No one wants him. But because at the word of Jesus, at the touch of Jesus, at that moment, suddenly for the first time in a long time, he realizes, hold on a second. I'm clean. I am not alone anymore. I have no reason to be ashamed anymore. I am no longer dirty. And if this leper has a family, finally for the first time in many years, he can now kiss his wife. He can now hug his children. He can now high five his brother. And the man who cried out, unclean, unclean, unclean. The man now cried out, I am clean. Because of the touch of Jesus. Jesus changes everything about this man's life. And for the first time in human history, the clean touched the unclean and the unclean become clean. Rather being contaminated by the leper, the leper is cleansed by Jesus because Jesus' power to cleanse is infinitely greater than the leprosy's power to make unclean. So it's the question that we must ask ourselves when we read this story. Why? Why did Jesus touch the leper? Because Jesus does not need to touch a leper to make him clean. We know this. At his word, he can make the leper clean. Jesus could have cleansed the leper through many other ways. But why did Jesus choose the most scandalous way? Two reasons. First, it reveals Jesus' character. Now think about it. The leper has not experienced any human touch ever since he got leprosy. No one touched a leper. No one come near a leper. His wife would not kiss him. His, his kids will not hug him. No one will come near and touch a leper. Do you know that babies cannot survive without human touch? Babies die from lack of touch. It tells us something about all of us. We were created with this innate design that we need to be touched by other people. But this man has not been touched for years. He starved for love, and Jesus knows it. So what Jesus does, he chooses to ignore the social code of his days, and he touched the man. And when Jesus touched him for the first time in many years, this man felt another man's touch. He felt that actually someone cared for him, that actually someone warned him, someone loved him, someone is not afraid of him, someone does not think that he's disgusting. Jesus is a king, my friend, but he's unlike any other king in this world. He is different. I love the way that John Gerstner put it. This is the way he writes it. In Jesus Christ, we see virtues combined that never anywhere else combined. We see tenderness without weakness, strength without a milligram of harshness, humility without one ounce of uncertainty. You see unbending conviction and yet complete and utter approachability. 
You see power without the slightest insensitivity. You see passion without the slightest prejudice. You see total integrity without any rigidity. Never unthinking, never false word, never a misstep. Do you know what is this? Let me tell you what this is. This is the king that we want. This is the king that our heart long for. And in Jesus, we have a king who not only powerful, but also beautiful. And second, why did Jesus need to touch the leper? Because it revealed Jesus' identity. Notice what Jesus does not do. According to the law of Moses, only a priest can declare you clean from leprosy. And that is why after Jesus made the leper clean, he tells him to go see a priest so that the priest can declare him clean and welcome him back into community. So Jesus honored the law of Moses because Jesus does not come to negate the law of Moses. He came to fulfill it. But this is what's interesting about the story. At this time, Jesus also supposed to see a priest. Why? Because he has touched a leper. So a, a priest must check his condition. But Jesus doesn't do it. You know why? Because he doesn't have to. Because Jesus is not affected at all by the leper's uncleanness because he is different from us. In other words, what Jesus is communicating to all the crowds and through you and me today is this. By touching the leper, Jesus says this, I am the only solution to your uncleanness. I am the only one who can wash you out of your dirtiness. Not religion, not moral code. It's me. So it does not matter what you have done. It does not matter what you are. It does not matter what's your background. It does not matter how bad that thing is. It does not matter what has been done to you. It does not matter how shameful it is. You don't get rid of those feelings by trying harder. Or you don't. You don't try to get rid of those feelings by becoming good. You don't. You get rid of those feelings of uncleanness, dirtiness, and shame by coming to me. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I am the only one who can make you clean. And the good news of the gospel is this, Jesus has come to touch you and make you clean. And this is such a good news for all of us because remember the question that I asked in the beginning of the sermon? All of us have that thing in our life that make us feel unclean, dirty, or shame. Because something that we've done or something that's been done to us. And the truth is this, all of us are spiritual lepers. And our spiritual leprosy is called sin. Sin corrupted our hearts, thought, desire, action, and words. And it breaks us apart. And not only that, sin isolates us from the very presence of the Holy God. And because of that, because of that, because you are not in the presence of the Holy God, because you do not have the communion with God the Father, what happened is this. It destroyed our relationship with other people. It put us in bondage. It put us in this place of unforgiveness, of bitterness. And there's absolutely nothing we can do to cure ourselves of sin. And our only hope is like the leper. Our only hope is to cast ourselves fully at the mercy of Jesus. And the lepers said, Lord, I know you can. If you will, make me clean. Our only help is to say to Jesus, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And the good news of the gospel, Jesus says to you and me loud and clear, I will be clean. 
So whatever sin troubling our conscience, whatever uncleanness weighing our heart, whatever shame worries our soul, Jesus is able to touch the hurting places in our heart and make us clean. So I want you, I want you to hear the word of Jesus tonight. To all who are unclean, Jesus say, I have come to make you clean. To all who are guilty, Jesus say, I have come to declare you innocent. To all who are ashamed, Jesus say, I have come to bestow honor upon you. To all who are needy, Jesus say, I have come to meet your deepest need. To all who are unloved, Jesus say, I have come to tell you once and for all, I love you and I will never forsake you. This is the kind of king that we have and this is his message to us. This is the gospel. But then something strange happened at the end of the story. Look at what happened after Jesus cleansed the leper. Verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And this is very interesting because Jesus told the leper, right? Uh, you got to see a priest for proof that you no longer have leprosy. But Jesus also, also strongly warned the leper, please do not tell anyone what happened. Well, why? Because remember, Jesus' primary purpose is not to heal the sick. It is to preach the gospel. Jesus did not want the crowd to come to him, merely seek him for miracles. Because as wonderful as miracles are, they're not the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus wants people to come to him to get, to, to get him. But then you know what the leper does? He disobeys Jesus. And this is surprising. So on one hand, can we agree that the leper must be very excited the fact that Jesus cleansed him? Remember that? So I think in one sense, we're all right, we get it. You know, this man just want to tell everyone, I am clean, I am clean. Look at what Jesus has done for me. And that's great. But on the other hand, he ignores Jesus' word. I mean, if I was Jesus, I would be like, you know, the least that you can do to show gratitude is actually to listen to me. Isn't that right? But this man just totally did not listen to Jesus, okay? So, well, if I was Jesus, you know, I probably would accept, you know, awesome, free advertisement. That couldn't hurt. But not Jesus. Jesus do not want free advertisement. See, if I preach a good sermon and you post it on Instagram story to tell me how great that sermon is, let me tell you, I will be happy, okay? I probably will not repost your Instagram story because I want you to think that I'm humble, but I will send you this emoticon, right? You know this emoticon? I will do that, okay? But what Jesus does, Jesus actually do not appreciate that. Because it hindered Jesus' ministry. Because now what the leper does is actually interrupts gospel agenda. Because now Jesus can no longer openly enter a town and preach the gospel. Because there's too much crowd, there's too much people. And as a result, here's what happened. At the end of the story, the leper and Jesus switched places. Because of what Jesus has done, the leper who used to be in lonely places is now in the town. And because of the leper sin, Jesus who used to be in the town is now out in the lonely places. Do you know what this is? This is a 
picture of the gospel. For the leper to become clean and welcome in the town, Jesus has to go outside the town. And this is exactly how Jesus and his life. The road, the road that Jesus is in, the king's road that Jesus is in right now, is actually leading him to be crucified outside the gate in the lonely places. Jesus' road leads him to take the place of lepers. Why? Because someone must pay. Someone must pay for un- uncleanness, uncleannesses. Someone must pay for our guilt. Someone must pay for our shame. And in order to make us clean, here's what happened. Jesus must become unclean. In order for us to be welcome, Jesus must be excluded. In order for us to be forgiven of sin, Jesus must be punished for sin. But don't miss the point because this is the greatest news in the universe. This is the message that Jesus has entrusts us to preach again and again and again. For our sake, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. The perfect Son of God suffered at the cross for us so that His blood can cover all our sin. So today, listen, it does not matter what we have done. It does not matter what has been done to us. Jesus has taken it all upon Himself so that we might become pure and blameless. Uncleanness goes to Jesus so that we can be clean forever. And all we have to do, all we have to do is simply throw ourselves into the mercy of Jesus. And today when we come to Jesus, we do not say, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Or no, we know better. We say to Jesus, Jesus, I know you will. The cross has told me you will. So Jesus, make me clean. So it's invitation for all of us who feel unclean, who feel dirty, who feel ashamed, who feel abandoned, who feel neglected. Jesus say, I have come to make you clean. So let me close with this. This is the kingdom's priority. Prayer, preaching the gospel, and cleansing. So that means this must be our priority as well. Because if we want to advance the kingdom of God, the key is not find ways to attract as many crowds as possible. Oh no. The way to advance the kingdom of God is to get on our knee in prayer, preach the gospel wherever we are, and touch those out there who are hurting. Because there's so many people out there who are ashamed, who felt dirty, who feel unworthy. And the gospel produces the kind of people who do not stay away from that kind of people. The gospel does not produce the kind of people who stay away from people who are unclean. The gospel produces the kind of people who engage the world, who engage those who are unclean with the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus has shown us one important thing. Jesus has shown us radically once and for all that Jesus' cleanliness far supersedes the uncleanness of the world. Jesus can make those who are unclean and make them clean. Jesus can take those who are guilty and make them innocent. Jesus can make those who are ashamed and bestow honor upon them. Jesus can take those who are broken and make them whole. Jesus can take those who are sinful and make them righteous. Jesus can. Jesus will. And this 
is our priority as a church. So just let us be bold in sharing the gospel to whoever needs to hear the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that at a room this size, there are many of us in this place. The story of the leper is our story. There's things in our life that make us feel unclean. Maybe it's something that we do. Maybe something that we did or something that's been done to us. I know there are many of us in this place who feel like we're not worthy. And that sense of uncleanness continues to haunt us days after days, week after weeks, months after months. And we, we try to get rid of it. We try to be the best Christian version that we can, but we cannot get rid of that dirt from us. I know there are many broken people in this place. There are many people who, if we can just be honest right now, Lord, we are so broken. Or we try to put a lot of makeup to cover our ugliness, but we know deep inside we are so in need to be made clean. Tonight I pray to God for those people who come to this place and they know, they know that they are the leper. Pray, Holy Spirit, that once again that you speak to their heart, that you have come, Jesus, that you have come to make them clean. And not only to make them clean, that in fact you finished the work at the cross already. Your blood was spilled. So now that what they can enjoy, what they receive is the full righteousness. It's the perfection of your Son, Jesus Christ the blamelessness of your son. That is our identity. That's who we are. So our sin, whatever path that haunts us, that no longer defines us because we have traded our uncleanness with your holiness. So God, I pray for many, many hearts in this place or maybe who's listening online right now. If we feel like we're not worthy. I pray that goodness of the gospel come alive in our heart. Help us to see you. Help us to see the cross, the price that's been paid to make us clean. And help us to cast ourselves fully at your mercy. Just like this, the leper, we want to say, Lord, make us clean. And you will shout from heaven, it is finished. Done. We are clean once and for all. Help us, Lord. Help us to rejoice in what you've done for us. Continue that work in our heart. In your son's name we pray. Amen.